class, you can go right now. That'd be great. Thank you, team, up there. You guys incredible. I missed you. It's always, uh, it's always good just to come and uh, be amongst family, I suppose, hey? And uh, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, we have, as Pastor Malcolm mentioned, we've just been away for a little while and um, had a little holiday with our family in New Zealand, which was a great time together. I'm not quite sure why New Zealanders live in Australia. We're such an amazing country. New Zealand is just a lovely country. Who's, who, who's been there? It's beautiful, isn't it? Just, and I only went to the North Island. I reckon the South Island's even better. But anyway, it was lovely. So thank you. Just the opportunity just to have a couple of weeks with my family and, and have a break. Um, and then, of course, um, uh, Michelle and I and Kate and Jeff just went to the Philippines and ministered um, there for several days and, had, and really did have a great time and just to see what God is doing in the Philippines. Every time I go to the Philippines, I just see that country getting better and better and better. Amen? Um, and uh, what God's doing is great. But here we are. It's good to be here. I want to turn your attention this morning. I just My message of, my, of my, what I want to share this morning is don't put out the fire. Um, can you say that with me? Don't put out the fire. Um, so I want to start this series uh, this, uh, this, this morning, uh, and we're going to look at a, a passage of for the Bible, uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters, and he wrote this really incredible letter to a group of people called Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there you go, chapter 5 and verse 16 to 23, I want to read it to you. Some of the shortest verses in the Bible are right here in this little passage. Um, Paul was pretty zealous and passionate about what he was sharing here, and he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, rejoice always, that's the verse. <laughs> That's a great verse. Rejoice always. Uh, that's enough to preach on, but we'll keep moving. Uh, it says, pray without ceasing. There's another great thought. <laughs> verse 18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wow. And then he says, verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Which spirit is he talking about? He's certainly not sp speaking about the spirit of alcohol. He's talking about the spirit of God, okay? The Holy Spirit. He's talking about the spirit within you. He says, don't quench that spirit. Don't despise prophecies. In other words, uh, words of, of knowledge that may be about your future, don't despise of those thoughts that may come that God will reveal to you about things that are important in your future. Don't despise that. It could be, you know, weigh it up. And then it says, abstain from every form of evil. Oh, sorry, verse 21, don't forget that one. Test all things, hold fast what is good. Okay, probably referring to the prophecy. Uh, verse 22, abstain from every kind of evil. That's very good. And then verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Kind of Paul wraps it up here. He says, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, notice this, whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting, isn't it? God has made us body, soul, and spirit. You're a three-part being. Did you understand that? Um, the truth is we live in a body, physical body. We have a soul, but we are a spirit. More than anything else about you is that you are a spirit. There's a part of you that is... That, that is, in actual fact, what we see is, is that we have tangible parts to us and we have intangible things. The tangible parts is our body and our soul. Let me explain that. The intangible sometimes is spirit. And, and, and see, the truth is we have a body because we have the ability to live, we have the ability to talk, we have the ability to function, physically function, talk, walk, smell, 
And, uh, and we have to maintain and look after the body. That's a tangible part of us. We have a soul. Our soul is an interesting part because it facilitates our emotions, doesn't it? The joy and the sadness that we can have. Uh, it also, the things like soul gives us the ability to express ourselves. Uh, love, express love towards each other, express peace. And we call them feelings. That's quite tangible. But the intangible parts of us uh, is called the spirit. We can't see that, but... Paul sees it as the, one of the most important parts. He actually puts it at the start. He says, we are, if you notice in verse 23, he says, you are, you, may your whole spirit, soul, and body. Um, I, I think the order is important because I think the spirit's in, t- incredible. If your spirit was to leave you, if the spirit was to leave my body today, I, my spirit, not just the Holy Spirit, I'd quite... Uh, what would happen is I just would collapse on the floor and I wouldn't be alive anymore. Breath would be gone from my body. God's given us a spirit, given us life. He breathed into us at creation and praise God, he's still breathing into us and we're alive. That's always good news, isn't it? So, uh, so we have a spirit and the spirit helps us, a very important job, helps us to relate to God. And it's where we can either reject or neglect him or we can embrace him and love him. We have a choice. Our spirit helps us do that. Our spirit is always willing, wanting to engage with God because it was created to engage with God. Um, okay? Here is the interesting thing. We can, as human beings, so often embrace the tangible things of body and soul more readily than we embrace uh, the, the intangible things of the spirit. We've got to be careful because our bodies can become the thing we worship first. Feed it more than necessary. I understand that. Feed it more than necessary sometimes. Pamper it more than is needed. Uh, give in to its cravings. The body continually, you know, wants to, you know, uh, try and rule our lives. Who understands what I mean? That extra bar of chocolate that you ate last night at midnight, God sees it, but it's okay. It's just you're giving into the, uh, giving into the flesh, isn't it? We don't need it necessarily. The body yells at us and craves for stuff sometimes. And uh, it, it, it's important that we look after our body, but it's not the thing that we need to place first, is it? Um, see our body. See, the soul also wants to dictate, dictate to us with things like anxiety and worry and anger. It wants us to be ruled by the emotions. And I would want to say our emotions really are a great servant, but not a very good master. And so, so we see these, we're, we're a three-part being for a reason, but we need to place priority or give, um, understand the play, part that they play. Um, you notice verse 19 here, Paul says something really important. And you know in a verse, sometimes you read a verse in the Bible, and as much as you need to understand what it says, you need to understand what it's not saying as well. And one of the things Paul doesn't say here, he says, he doesn't say, oh, don't quench the body. He says, don't quench the soul. And the reason I think he doesn't say it is because often our body and soul sometimes uh, need to be a little bit balanced and brought into line. Would you agree? Because they, you know, what Paul does say is he says, don't quench the spirit because out of all of the three things, I can find that that's the thing I can neglect the most. The spirit or the presence 
of God. Our soulish passions can be quite destructive and our bodily cravings can be harmful to us and even others. And he says, don't quench uh, the spirit. He doesn't say quench, don't quench the body, don't quench the soul, but don't quench the Holy Spirit that's working within us. And in relation to these struggles between the tangible and the untangible things, God says, I've got an answer for you. He says, I've got an answer for you. I've got, a, I've got something. And, and Jesus, before he left this earth, told us what the answer was. He told us what he was going to do. He says, you know what? I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that's going to be live within your spirit, live within your life. And it can actually affect and influence your feelings and your emotions. It can even affect your physical um, body in such a wonderful and powerful way as you um, embrace the Holy Spirit. He says, I want to give you something. God, in all of this, uh, he says, I want to give you something. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit this morning, folks, isn't a force. It isn't it. It isn't just something. It's, it's when the, Holy, the Word of God speaks about the Holy Spirit, he talks about personal pronouns. He did this. And uh, so the Holy Spirit is a personal Holy Spirit to each one of us who wants to live within us. And one of the things Paul says, don't quench that Holy Spirit. Don't neglect. Don't just put him aside. Realize God's given him for a purpose, for us to live abundantly, for us to be effective as Christians. It says in, um, it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 2.12, now that we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who, who is from God, then that we might know the things that have been given freely to us by God. In other words, God's given us his spirit. It's God's given us his spirit. Do you know why? The Holy Spirit is not is the exact representation of God in Jesus Christ. He doesn't work alone. He wants to represent God to us. In actual fact, he wants to be God within us. Uh, that doesn't make us God. That just allows God to be in us and doing a work within our hearts. I pray that even as we worship this morning, that you would just sense the Holy Spirit. We call it God's presence. We call it whatever we want to call it. But it's just that Holy Spirit working in our hearts. And um, this verse says, God's given us the Spirit that we might know the things that God has freely given us. What are the things that God's freely given us through the Holy Spirit? What are the things that he's given us through the Holy Spirit? God's given us many things. And if you go back to the verse 19 where it says, don't quench the what? Don't quench the Spirit. If you think of quenching, automatically you've got to think of fire, don't you? There's not many things that I quench except you can quench a fire. You can put water on a fire. You can extinguish a fire. And in this reference, that's what Paul's saying, don't quench that fire. Don't put the fire out. Don't put the fire out in your soul. And when I think about fire, fire brings a number of um, attributes to my life, and as does the Holy Spirit. So fire is like a metaphor of the Holy Spirit. And the fire brings a number of things to my life. What does it bring to your life? What does it bring to my life? It brings light. If you were to think about it for a moment, the Holy Spirit brings light. Um, he brings the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He brings the truth to bear upon our hearts, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we receive through that salvation. David actually said, King David said in Psalm 27.1, he said, you are my light in my salvation. He connected the two. Light, salvation. 
Um, the Holy Spirit comes and works in our hearts to receive the understanding uh, that God through Jesus Christ is the only one who can save us and bring abundant life for now and eternal life forever. The Holy Spirit does that. You know, I mentioned earlier I, I responded to the Lord Jesus Christ at the age of 13. What I didn't mention was this. From about the age of eight, I was going to Sunday school. I went to Sunday school for quite a few years to a, a wonderful little church in Gympie, a Presbyterian church that preached the word, that told me about Jesus. Isn't it interesting? But it wasn't until 13 when my cousin David came to stay in Gladstone for holidays with me and he'd just recently come and received Jesus Christ into his life. He'd seen the light, so to speak. And he came and shared it with me. And yet, isn't it interesting, all those years in Sunday school, and I'd never had the light turned on. And he just comes along through the Holy Spirit and speaks God's word, shows me scriptures, and the light just goes on. The actual fact, this is not just a good story about Christ. It's actually the story that I need to make my life. And the light went on at 13. I'm so glad. There was a revelation that I needed to respond. The natural fact that I needed to repent of my sin and failure, even as a 13-year-old, I could see that I had blown it and I needed to put that aside, walk away from that and receive Christ. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about the, don't quench the fire. Don't quench the light of the gospel, the truth of salvation. Let your salvation continually be renewed every day, fresh and vibrant with God. I'm just so glad that God caught me at the age of 13. Because there was a lot of temptation floating around as a teenager at the age of 13 when I was living in Glass. A lot of opportunities. He brought light into my life so that I could see the truth and that I could take a hold of that truth. And so I could say no to all the darkness of the lies that was coming past all the people, all the kids at school and what was happening. And, and I could see there was a difference. And that's when the light of the good news of Jesus comes into our life. You see the difference. You see something. You see life differently. It brings hope. And as a 13-year-old, David and I knelt together. Uh, we were just innocent. I said, how do you do this, make a commitment to Jesus thing? He says, well, let's kneel. I said, oh, why? He says, well, that's what you need to do if you make a commitment to Jesus. I said, well, that's what you did? Yeah. I thought, you know, now I know that you don't have to necessarily kneel, but maybe it is showing us when we do kneel, sometimes it's a humbling, a re reflection of our heart yielding to God. And I knelt. In actual fact, it was on an island in the harbor of Gladstone, Curtis Island, on a big sand dune. I knelt with him and I said, what do I do next? He says, well, to make it easier, how about I just pray and you repeat it after me? I said, oh, I'm for that. And I repeated this prayer as a 13-year-old and revelation and the Spirit of God touched my heart and Holy Spirit was there prompting me. It was the light of salvation that came into my life. And I'm so glad. And I pray that this morning, if that has not been your experience, that you would see and understand that, you know, you can go to church even all your life. You can even be in a Sunday school and praise God for my so many years of Sunday school. Because it kind of opened my heart when the, when the truth was revealed to me. It really helped me to understand everything I'd learned in those last previous years. But someone had to share with me about Jesus. And I pray that that would be your testimony today or can be your testimony. And, um, and I went through my teenage years as a Christian. Praise God. I always say that, um, that uh, I was, uh, you know, going through my teenage years, I still had those little struggles I had to face, I thought, gee, I was the worst Christian around. But praise God for God that kept me from the stuff that really could have taken me out. 
but uh, as I matured, he hung in there. Aren't you glad God hangs in there with us? You know. Um, so we see, don't quench the spirit. Don't put out the light. The Holy Spirit brings the light. You know, the other thing that's interesting about the Holy Spirit, uh, that what he brings into our lives, is he brings the power. Power. The Holy Spirit gives us the power. Paul says, don't quench that in our lives. That's, that's something you don't need to quench, is the power of the Holy Ghost. You may say, what kind of power is that? Well, let me, in my hum, human way, try and give you some metaphors that will just help you understand it. Um, see, fire brings light so we can see clearly. Fire also brings power. If you, put a, if you light a match and throw it on a campfire, it'll burn up everything in that campfire. Would you agree? Um, if, you leave, you, you, if you leave something on the fire too long, it'll, it'll destroy it. Uh, you know, it, it, it has the ability to do that. Fire has a power involved in it, hasn't it? It can be for good or it can be for evil, actually. But power, fire is powerful. So let me use another metaphor because I, I think this one also enhances this understanding. The metaphor of electricity. It manifests in, in two ways in your house. Electricity. If you were to look at it, one is light through the humble light bulb. You flick a switch, light comes on. Now, we've already talked about light. That's the light of the gospel. That's the light of salvation. The Holy Spirit comes to us and, and, and shows us where we need to repent and turn from our wicked ways. And he shows us the light of the, God, the good news of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But the Holy Spirit also, in our house, we see in our house, there's a second manifestation of electricity. It's called power. It's called, it comes through a little thing in the wall called a plug. And you, take, you can take a fan, an air conditioner, and you can take an iron, you can iron your clothes with you, plug it in, and something changes. If you put a plug in a fan, it changes the atmosphere, doesn't it? It makes it cooler. There's power does that. If you take an iron, you can iron your clothes. It changes your clothes into, into something more wearable. And so we see the power of the Holy Ghost comes along in our lives. It's not just the light of the... Sometimes we think, well, doesn't the Holy Spirit come at salvation? Definitely Holy Spirit's with you and in you at salvation. But there is this second manifestation of the power of the Holy Ghost manifest in you. The Bible actually talks about it. The Bible calls it um, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting terminology. You mean we get baptized in water, but you can get baptized, fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Not quenched, fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Bible teaches us there's some evidences of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he gives us light for salvation, but he also can give us uh, um, empowering through the baptism. And, and the interesting thing, the evidence is, I remember as a 19-year-old, look, this was like six years after I'd received Christ and had the light of the gospel turned on in my heart. And um, I went to a meeting, and uh, they said, uh, do you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, really? Oh, that must be me. And I put my hand up, went forward, got prayed for. And I found an initial, some evidences. None of the, the evidences was this incredible love. I had love for people. It's such a, and I had a love for his, I wanted to read God's word. I wanted to consume it. And also I wanted to just uh, come and tell people about Christ. There was something within me. It was amazing, these evidences of what God's presence in me. Now, I've received some of that even at my salvation, but even more intense at my baptism in the Holy Spirit. But the initial evidence, I never would have thought this could happen. God took a, 
I had this, this manifestation of speaking in other tongues and the baptism of the Holy I thought, wow, I've heard about this. Some people told me several years before that it was of the devil. I thought, how could this be of the devil? It enhances me. It encourages me. It edifies me. It strengthens me. I thought, this is powerful. How could this ever be of the devil? I want to tell you today, it's not. It's of God. Amen. Is there anybody here who believes in that? It is. It is. It's a powerful, it's the initial, it's not the only, but it's the initial evidence. See, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you might ask, Well, what is tongues? It's a good question. A very good question. What is the Holy Spirit? What's this gift of tongues? Because the Bible teaches about the gift of speaking in tongues. Well, the word, interesting, if you just do a little bit of Greek uh, theology here, the, the word power. Uh, means Greek means dunamos, and dunamos is kind of describing anything that explodes. Um, and I remember as a kid, I, I, I used to, uh, many, many years ago, and for those of us who, who are, are too young to understand, you missed out an incredible era in Australian history. We were allowed to use firecrackers. Who remembers firecrackers? Everybody over 80? No, no. And, I, and my dad used to buy me a bundle of little Tom Thumbs and then big bangers and, and you, you know, you'd, you'd stick them in ant holes, but we won't go there. And, uh, or someone's letterbox. I never did, but some people did. Um, so, but the interesting thing about that little firecracker is that, is that um, some firecrackers will, you, you know, you take the, there's a little wick on the end of the firecracker and you had to light the wick before the firecracker went off. Makes sense. Sometimes those firecrackers were, weren't, you know, they were mel, you know, weren't manufactured properly and there was no wick. I think, where's the wick on this thing? So, you know, you had to put a wick because it gave you time to get away. You know what I mean? And so you'd try and stick something in there and you'd light that up and, you know, throw it or run away or whatever. So the interesting, why I'm saying this is, is because the wick, that little piece of dynamite or that little firecracker explodes and it changes things. So I believe in the sense tongues is the wick. Okay, tongues is the wick. It, 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 like you plug the wick into, into a firecracker, tongues uh, starts and it makes something change. Tongues does that. And I pray that if, you are, if, you, if you've got the gift of the Holy Spirit in, the, in speaking in tongues, and if tongues isn't doing something dynamic in your heart, maybe, you know, and that can happen. You can just get into a habit and just, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just, you know, speak in tongues. But if nothing's happening, you need to refresh that relationship with the Lord today and say, hey, let it be fresh, fresh in my soul. And, and, and so tongues is like the wick in the, in the stick that causes the change. Uh, it, it's just, it, it does something powerful as you begin to speak. It says, I, I mentioned that verse, and we all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in other tongues, as God gave them utterance, Acts 2.4. Tongues is when we speak to God. It may be just kind of drilling down a little bit on this. Tongues is when we speak to God in heavenly prayer language, and it empowers us by renewing our minds, focusing our things on spiritual things instead of earthly things. It, it, it has this power, the ability to give us focus when we just spend that time in our own time with God and speaking. It takes our hearts of weakness and gives us a strength, heart of strength to live life healthy and strong emotionally. That's the power of the Holy Spirit as we just... See, you've got to realize, don't seek the gift, seek the giver. But when you seek the giver, 
you receive the gift. You've got to get hungry after the Holy Spirit. You've got to get hungry after having more of God in your life. And then the gifts flow. You know, the more hunger, the more he gives. It's a great thing. I, I remember that I'm, you know, uh, when my wife goes away, maybe she goes away in a conference or something, and she comes home, and, and she comes to the front door, and, and uh, she has a bag. And I don't say to Michelle, well, you know, look, I'll have you, but leave your bag outside. And I say, well, you know, you, you can come in, but just I don't want just dirty clothes. Uh, no, 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 no. See, uh, you know, we've got to realize that we've got to, when we receive the person, we've got to receive the bag that is the, the gifts in the bag. And so when we're hungry for the person, you'll receive all that they've got to give you. Okay? And that's like the Holy Spirit. You, you welcome them into your home and, you, and he brings the gift. He doesn't leave the gifts out there and say, oh, no, 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 oh, you can have me. No, he's the intimate part of it. He has the gifts. There's other gifts as well, isn't there? There's a gift of prophecy and there's a gift of words of knowledge. There's a whole lot of stuff, but the Holy Spirit comes and he wants to empower us. It's for your good, folks. It's not a scary thing. It's not a spooky thing. It's a reality. It, it, we don't have to, you know, when we pray in, in tongues, um, he, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, it says. He does something we don't quite understand, but he does a powerful thing in and through us. It's an edifying thing. It's an encouraging thing. What an amazing way for God to give us a personal connection with him all the time. It's available through our speech. Now, we don't go about, you know, you can talk to someone and just break out in tongues with them. They don't understand that. You've got to speak in English um, to each other. But, you know, with God, you can use this tongue sometimes. And it, it, it just, God understands and receives and empowers you. Um, you know, can I just, maybe some other thoughts, power. So we've got the light. So fire, or the Holy Ghost, gives us light. He gives us power, and power to cope with earthly struggles. Oh, man, how much I rely sometimes on just God's presence to pull us through. I pray you do. John 14, 16 says, I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Why does he need to abide? He's a helper, means a comforter, an aid, an encourager, an assistant, and he gives, um, he gives divine strength. To enable us to undergo earthly trials. Divine strength sometimes. Just to cope with life. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. How do you think he's going to give you rest? He's up there. God's up there. Jesus is up there on the right hand of the Father. It's through the Holy Spirit. He'll give you rest and peace in some of the most difficult struggles in life. Rest means to have, listen, calm and patient expectation calm and patient expectation those through struggles we can be anxious and not calm but he wants to give us calm um, uh, and patient expectation that's really what peace is calm and patient expectation sometimes the lord um, removes the storms we face in life but sometimes the storms remain and he just brings calm and patient expectation into the Christian child or into the child of God in the midst of the storm, doesn't he? Sometimes the storm will leave, sometimes we'll leave, be in the storm still, but he gives us some incredible attributes of peace and those gifts of joy in the midst of the storms of life. And I, I pray that that will be your testimony. It's through the Holy Spirit that can happen. So not only is the power of God for earthly struggles, but I find the power of God through the Holy Spirit for human insecurity. The reality is there's not one of us here this morning that probably hasn't got some element that we're just a little bit insecure with and we're facing. And I'm not 
being negative. It's just the things we face in life have maybe just dented our soul a bit and scarred us and hurt us. And this can come some human insecurities. And, and you know, I, I've had to deal with some of those over my life, and I still am. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God's not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Is that what it says? It does. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in our lives, he brings with him the very nature of God. God's nature is not fearful, timid, or cowardly. It's powerful, and it's bold. And if you think for a moment of the disciples spent three years with Jesus, you thought, man, these guys must be committed to Jesus. But he died on a cross, and they all fled. They all, you know, one, uh, one um, of course, denied him. Another um, um, betrayed him. The others left. And you think, Mike, they left three years of Jesus and, it, and you, know, they didn't, they, you know, they didn't make it. And yet, they all came back, thankfully. And at the uh, second chapter of Acts, and the Holy Spirit came and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. They become as bold as lions. And all but one of the 12 was quite willing to die for Christ after that. Beforehand, they didn't know what to know. They didn't. They cared for their lives. But now, uh, eleven of the twelve disciples were martyred. Historically, they say. So, what happened between Jesus' death and it, what happened was the Holy Spirit empowered them. It made them bold. And now, you know, we've all got different natures. Some of us are more quieter than others. To be honest, you wouldn't believe it, but I am a quiet person sometimes. I know. I can be much quieter than Michelle. And, and, and sometimes I'm just happy to sit and listen. Uh, but the reality is when the Holy Spirit just does something within us, it gives us boldness. When I was growing up in high school. I always remember I wouldn't say boo to anybody. I was at, when I grew up as a little boy, I'd hide literally under my mum's skirt. She had long skirts. And I'd hide under there when people came to speak to her. There was a lot of room. And as a little three-year-old, believe me, I didn't care as long as I was hidden. <laughs> but I was so timid. And then at the age of 19, even as I was a Christian, something changed my life. It was just this boldness in empowering the Holy Spirit. It, it, it does something. And I, and I, I unreservedly and unapologetically just say the Holy Spirit wants to empower us in our lives. He doesn't change your personality. He just gives you boldness in that midst of your personality and who you are. Um, um, I, was, I, was, uh, I was reading a story. I've shared this story before, but there's a guy called Leslie Puckett. Leslie Puckett. That's an interesting surname, isn't it? But anyway, Leslie worked in the inner city of London. He lived on the outside of London, some kilometres away, and his routine was to drive to a car park, park his car in this car park, catch the tube. You know what the tube is in London? It's the railway system. He'd catch the train to inner city London, go to work, and his routine was to finish work, back on the train or the tube, back to the car park, hop in his car. And this day, he, he came back on the train. He, got, he opened the car door with his keys. He had an older car, a bit of an old car, but it was a good car. He got in the seat like he always did. The routine was normal. He put the key in the ignition and he turned it and nothing happened. Not a thing. Nothing. Dead. He thought, what has happened here? He thought, this car doesn't do this. He, he looked at the ignition. He jiggled it. He turned the key around. You know, he, It was one of those days, one of those cars, you could just turn the key 
upside down and it was still fitted and it didn't work. He thought something's gone. He looked under the dash. Is, is something broken? He couldn't. He wouldn't know how that would happen in the midst of a, you know, an eight-hour day. But he, he nothing. He tried to turn. Didn't. He thought, you know what? I'll push it. It must be the battery. That's a normal response, isn't it? He had a. They pushed the car. He had a couple of mates who come with him. They pushed the car. Um, you know, it was, it was a manual, so he he put it in first gear, put the clutch in, and let the clutch out, and then nothing. He pushed it back up the hill again, went again, nothing. He put it up again, nothing, nothing. The battery wouldn't turn over. He thought, this is ridiculous. He pulled it over to the side. And, you know, like what we should have done, maybe what he should have done at the start, is he thought, let's look at what's wrong with the motor. He lifted the bonnet. And he looked under the bonnet. He couldn't believe it. Someone had stolen his motor. <laughs> Someone had stolen the motor. He says, how does that happen? How does someone open my bonnet and steal my... It was gone. I mean, there was other parts there. The radiator was still there, the alternator, the, you know, but the little motor, and it was not a big motor, so you, I suppose they could pick it up, a couple of guys, and they stole it. And, you know, the truth is, is that it was a car. It looked like a car. It just didn't have the power or the ability to be a car. And I, I think sometimes as Christians, we're like that. We look like a Christian. We speak like a Christian. Uh, you have the... Um, you have the ability, but sometimes we never actually follow through. and we, we haven't got the power to be that Christian. God's on the phone here somewhere. <laughs> Do you hear that or is it just me? He's probably trying to get my attention. <laughs> so we see that the reality is, is that we can sometimes look like the real deal, but there's a power. God says, don't neglect the power of God. The power that I have you through the Holy Spirit, just his empowering, his encouragement, uh, all that he has for us, um, we need that. The last thing that I want to encourage us with, because the Holy Spirit brings the light of the gospel, he brings the, you know, fire brings light, fire brings power, um, the Holy Spirit brings light, the Holy Spirit brings power, but the Holy Spirit and fire brings purity, purity. It's an interesting um, uh, thing if you think about this, the purity of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit gives us a conviction to live pure lives. He doesn't condemn. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I feel condemned. No, no, no. Understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation often comes from the devil. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. I want to just teach you how that happens because sometimes we misunderstand this. <clears throat> um, the metaphor, of course, is that the fire can burn up stuff in our lives. Uh, you know the metaphor of gold and how they purify gold. They heat it up to a certain degree. All the rubbish drifts to the top. They wipe it away and they heat it up further. And more dross or more rubbish comes to the surface of the gold until finally that, that gold is as pure as they can make it. No gold is 100% pure. Um, but the same metaphor is for our lives. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he starts to reveal things to us. It says in John 16, 8, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Who are they talking about? Who is Jesus is saying these words? Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll do the convicting. How does he convict? Um, well, that's interesting because the Holy Spirit convicts us by showing us the truth. Okay? He shows us the truth. And when we see the truth, and then we kind of make the comparison where, with where we're living, we either go, yeah, I'm doing that, and we've, we go on great. Or we'll say, no, I don't align with that truth. I need to align. And we give this up, maybe the sin, 
to pick up the truth and move forward. That's how we can get conviction. Sometimes we think, oh, well, God just wants to tell me about every sin in my life and how dirty and wrong and uh, yeah, you are and I am. But the reality is often the, the, the way the Holy Spirit works, he shows you the truth and then he says, what do you want more? Do you want to live the life of sin or do you want to live the life of truth? And we make the decision uh, what when we're going to live. I've got a little dog at home, Zoe. Well, actually, it's not at home at the moment. It's at Mary Ann's place. Yeah, I, anyway, Zoe... <laughs> We haven't had time to pick up our dogs. We just got home last night. But uh, little Zoe, I've got two dogs, but Zoe is just like this little dog that is, it, it, thinks, it's a great, it thinks it's an Alsatian, but it's just a little dog. Um, what are you laughing at, Greg? You've had my dog as well, sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, this manifests in many different ways. <laughs> I'm so patient of the people who look after this little terror. Um, but... Zoe, um, at home, if I give her a chicken neck, she will just, that's hers. You cannot take it off her. You know, she doesn't attack you, but you know, if she had it in her mouth, there's no way that she wants to let that go. The only way that I can tell, get Zoe to let go of the chicken neck is to give her something better. Give her a bigger bone, a bigger chicken neck, or maybe a squeaky toy, which she totally adores. Um, destroying. Um, so that's the only way she's going to go from that to that. And you know, I, I often think that's the way God works in our lives. The Holy Spirit can fix us. He shows us the truth. He shows us something better. And he says, do you really want that dirty old rotten chicken neck compared to this incredible bone? And he says, you make the choice. And often if we'll see and understand how the light and the revelation of truth, we'll say, who wouldn't take the bone over the little chicken neck? Who wouldn't want more than less? God wants to give you more. And he says, and you make the decision then because who knows, God will never force you to stop what you're doing. He'll just invite you because you have to make the choice because if you don't make the choice, you'll never totally give it up for good unless you make the choice to say, hey, I'm finished with that and I want to walk, it, walk in purity. Amen? And, and that's the reality of the Holy Spirit. He'll convict us. God has given us that opportunity. So we see that the Holy Spirit is the light of the gospel. He's the power of, of, of manifest in our lives to empower us. And he brings along a purity so that we can walk. And he convicts us or allows the conviction to come as we walk. Can I have the musicians this morning come as, we, uh, as I bring this to a close this morning? See, Holy Spirit, let's never underestimate what the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we talk about Jesus a lot and we invite him in, and so we should. Holy Spirit will never promote himself. He'll always promote God the Father, God the Son. He's a gentleman, he, 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 uh, but he does want to come into your life. And when he comes in, things change. Things change as we allow him to manifest in our hearts. You might ask the question this morning, how do you receive? Well, you know, it's not that difficult, and you all would know the answer. You're intelligent people, but it's just by asking you receive. He says, you know, it actually says in Scripture, you have not because you ask not. Uh, then it says, you know, God would never give you a snake or a stone. He's a good father. He'll give you good gifts. He doesn't give you something to hurt you. He gives you something to prolong life. He gives you something to bless your life. He gives you, and that's the Holy Spirit. He gives you good gifts things and the Holy Spirit's incredibly good in our lives and you know but there comes uh, 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 
It's got to come a passion in our hearts, isn't it? There's got to come a desire in our lives for more of the Holy Spirit. Just having more in our lives. And you did it this morning through worship. As we worship Him, whether it's here or in your home by yourself or in your own little time that's quiet with God, you invite the Holy Spirit. He is always available. He doesn't need a lovely worship song like we have, which is incredibly helpful when we worship God to sing songs and make melody in our heart. But you know, in your own home, you can, you can sit there and just worship God. And you know, God doesn't say that every voice is going to be perfect. It's just make a, it's make a joyful sound from your heart, isn't it? Remember my eldest daughter, Gabrielle. She was only 13 too. She was only, she'd committed her life to Christ. And she has, had yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, we didn't push anything. But one night, one morning, she woke up and she came out to us in the kitchen. And she says, Mom and Dad, something really, I think really good happened to me last night. I said, what was it? She says, well, last night I was on my bed before I went to sleep. And I was just singing one of the songs at church. And as I began to sing, it just really, I just was really kind of, I'm asking God for more of Him. And this thing happened where I began to sing or speak in this different language. And it kind of, it really kind of freaked me for a moment. But I thought, hang on, this must be a really good thing. And she began to speak another tongue all by herself. No one laid hands on her. And she came and I said, honey, uh, yeah, look, it's okay. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But just through personal hunger, she just received. And she just wanted more. Now, this morning, if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are you a second-right Christian? No, 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 no. You're on your way to heaven as much as anybody. God loves you as much as anybody. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there's always more in God. There's always more. It's more of His presence, more of His strength, more of His joy. It comes through His Holy Spirit in our lives. And I would encourage you, church, in this... Um, if you're in that place of maybe you've never heard of this before, you know what? I'd like to encourage you. On Tuesday night, we have a prayer meeting here. And I would invite you to come. If you, if you just said you would like us to pray with you, lay hands and believe for the baptism, I'd invite you. See, I could do that this morning. But see, I want people to make an informed decision and to say, hey, yeah, I'm really um, hungry for this. And I, I, I don't know what your situation. God knows and you know your own. But if you sense that you just want more, I'd invite you on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. We're just going to pray. Believe God. More of his presence in our lives. How's that sound? Uh, if you know this morning maybe you need to say, I need the light of the gospel. I need to respond. I've got a knowledge, but I need, I, I need that to transpire into me being totally committed to Jesus. I'd invite you now just to stand all with me this morning, if we could, as we close in this last song in a moment.